Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Actually, that sounded kind of blah. Is everybody kind of blah today? No. no. Okay. All right. Terry is doing well, if nobody else is. So that's good. Uh, I wanted to start off just by saying thank you. Thank you to Amelia Perkins uh, for organizing the Fall Festival yesterday. Uh, and she had a lot of volunteers helping her out as well. So thank you to all the folks that assisted with that. Also, I say thank you to the praise band. It feels really good out here right now to me. It did not feel really good out here at about nine this morning when they were out here practicing. I, I think it was about 10 degrees colder. And so thank you to them for continuing to make that effort. Today is the fifth Sunday in a sermon series that we've been going through on money. The prior four weeks have been concentrated on what the Bible has to say about the relationship between individuals and money. We have to choose who we will serve, God or money. When we make money the Lord of our life, it doesn't end well. We should use it as a tool in the construction of a life that glorifies God. The relationship individual people have with money will determine much about their lives. The relationship a church has with money will determine much about its existence as well. Churches face many of the same temptations that individuals face. When it comes to churches and money, the Bible has a lot to say. An unhealthy outlook will ruin a church. We are going to spend today talking about what is unhealthy so that it can be avoided and lifting up the healthy ideal for churches regarding money so that we can pursue it. Please turn with me now to the book of James. We'll be reading from the second chapter of that book. You can use the passage printed off in your bulletin, or if you've brought your own Bible with you, you can, of course, use that as well. We'll be reading from the second chapter, beginning in verse 1, and we will read through verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. My brothers... Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they, not, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? 
If you are really filled, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I'm always struck when I read from the book of James how it is written. James, the author of the book, who was Jesus' younger brother, definitely shoots straight. Here he takes on how Christians are reacting to rich and poor. The specific situation he addresses may be foreign to us. We would never make a person sit on the floor if they were poor, after all. But the underlying heart issue is not foreign to us. Churches often focus on money in ways that they shouldn't, and fail to focus on it in ways that they should. As a community of Christ followers, we should recognize that money is secondary. We should also address the fact that it often holds sway over the lives of individuals and the church. Money should not be the church's focus. A church that has the correct focus of making disciples will talk about money for the simple reason it is so often a barrier to discipleship. Churches have a reputation for being too focused on money. This is not a new issue. We tend to idealize the early church. Whenever you read something in the New Testament condemning a certain practice, it normally means there was someone in the early church doing just that. At different points in the New Testament, the early church is told not to visit prostitutes, not to worship the Roman emperor as a deity, and don't have dis disorganized worship because these were things that were happening at the time. In these verses, James says, don't show partiality to rich people. I don't know about you, but... When my wife, Anne, tells me not to leave my dirty clothes scattered around our bedroom, it is not a possibility she wants to avoid. It is something she has seen happen that she wants to correct. James is addressing a problem that he has noticed among these early Christians. We'll be starting a sermon series in a few weeks from 1 Corinthians, the same sort of division between rich and poor is addressed there. In the Roman world, society was incredibly divided by wealth. Thankfully, this type of division is not nearly as pronounced in American society or churches as it has been in times past. Money is still an issue in many churches. 
those with more money are often treated as more valuable than those with less. You all may not be aware of this, but I have no idea how much money anyone gives to this church. And I am tremendously glad about that. I want to be in the dark. If I am preaching something I know might offend one of you all, I don't want to think about how that is going to affect the church's budget. In some cases, those with more money are the ones that expect to be treated differently than others. They use their money to try to control. If, if you don't give me what I want, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. The church is not something you can buy stock in so that you can exercise authority. The church belongs to Jesus Christ, lock, stock, and barrel. He allows us to play a role in charting its course as an act of grace. Obsessing over money is a natural desire churches often exhibit. Later in the book of James, the author writes, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Thankfully, murder in churches is pretty rare, although I know it's a temptation sometimes. Quarreling and fighting over money is not. Anybody that's been in a church for any length of time can tell you how common an occurrence it is. Our default setting as humans is to be controlled by our desires. So long as we are driven by our carnal desires, there can be no unity. The advancement of God's kingdom through our efforts will be limited by the conflicting desires of those present in the church, which will manifest itself in fighting. In churches, we're often smart enough to camouflage our desires instead of dealing with them. Pastors have a reputation for focusing on people's wallets. There are reasons for this. When a pastor applies for a job at a church, one of the questions they will get asked is, how was the budget at your last church? Did it grow or did it shrink? Pastors are supposed to be making disciples, but disciples are hard to measure. You know what's not hard to measure? The amount of money and whether it increased or decreased. It's not that it's wrong for a pastor to talk about money. Jesus talked about money all the time. Problems arise when a pastor talks about money out of a concern for money instead of a concern for the spiritual status of the people in the church. The conflicting desires about money within a congregation really come out at budget time. There's a limited pool of cash that different staff and committees are drawing from. How different efforts of the church get funded is often contentious. To some extent, this is legitimate. Decisions have to be made about what the budget will be. But there must be an awareness 
that money is not the solution and the lack of it is not the problem. Churches should be spiritually minded. Those that focus on money are dying churches. That was what happened at Byfield for a very long time. If you go back and you read the historical documents for this church, they exhibit a concern about money. Our records going back all the way to the founding of this church in the early 1700s are kept in the Peabody Essex Museum Library, which is actually just right over here about five minutes away off Route 1. And I have gone over there and read through those records. If you look at them, you see constant reports of financial turmoil and shortfalls in the church. You also see evidence that the church was declining. When Pastor Boylan came on, Byfield was in a desperate state in regards to money. Again and again, during his ministry, God provided. One of the most encouraging things to me over the past eight months has been seeing how God has continued to provide for this church financially in spite of all that has been going on. Even churches that are doing well financially are in fact dying if they are focused on money. You see this play out again and again. New England has many churches that have huge endowments that are effectively dead. Yeah, services still happen. The building is beautiful. But no disciples are being made. If you follow the Christian news much, you will hear stories of megachurches that are in the midst of a crisis. Financial resources don't mean a church is spiritually sound. Churches must deal with the same temptations individual people face. A lot of people think, man, if I just had money, the rest of my life would go fantastically. A lot of churches think the same way. Money may make some problems less noticeable for a time. It doesn't solve those problems. God's Spirit is what gives a church life. When a church is full of God's Spirit, it will be fulfilling the royal law according to the scriptures that James references in today's verses. Such a church will be faithful to following through on what God commands. James makes clear how you know if a church is doing well. It's not the budget. It will have people that are loving their neighbors as themselves. In God's economy, love accomplishes much more than money ever can. Jesus could have come into this world as royalty, with great wealth. He could have. He could have been born in some palace. He could have used money to change the world if he thought that would be effective. That is not the strategy he used. He came to the world flat broke. 
and left it much the same. He changed the world through love. Churches will succeed to the extent that they show love, not based on what their budget is. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? When a church does pursue its mission of love through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, more resources... Specifically, money will generally follow. The more a church uses the resources that God has provided well, the more he will give. Jesus talks about this phenomenon in his story of the servants who are given money to invest by their master. The servants that do well are given more responsibility, more capability. It is also true that people give when they believe in the mission of the organization. When you drive out to Plum Island, I've talked about this before, on your right, there's the pink house, that pink house that sits in the marshland. And in recent years, there's been a fundraising effort to try to save that house. You know how much money I have given to save the pink house? Zero dollars. Why? because I don't particularly care if the pink house is there or not. Some of you do care. That's awesome, and you should give money to it. But we only give money to the things that we believe in. Our, church, our focus as a church needs to be laser-like. Our mission is to take Christ to the world, to nurture, equip, and mature God's people and to live to the glory of God. This mission is built on the mission Jesus gave all the churches in the Great Commission to make disciples. Making disciples is the way we do what James says fulfills the royal law according to the scriptures in today's verses. The most loving thing we can do for our friends and neighbors as a church is show them what it means to follow Christ. This is the most valuable gift we can pass on to them. Everything else a church might focus on is secondary to making disciples. Money can get a church a lot of things. Nice building, cool websites, talented musician, a pastor that is a gifted public speaker, if that's what you're into. You can create, you cannot create disciples with money alone, no matter how much of it is available. When you look at the history of the early church, you see evidence that money is not what the success of a church hinges on. Jesus was operating on a shoestring budget. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. We follow someone who was literally homeless. For the first several hundred years of Christianity, the church grew exponentially despite very limited resources. The Emperor Julian said, 
Christianity has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers. And through their care for the burial of the dead, it is a scandal. There is not a single Christian who is a beggar. And that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. I am not trying to say, and more importantly, the Bible is not trying to say, that money has no value in a church's ability to accomplish its mission. Paul made it clear in his second letter to the Corinthians that money was necessary to alleviate the famine that was happening among Jewish believers. Money can be used in service of our church's mission. It must not be confused with the mission. It is secondary. A church where disciples are being made will be a church where money gets talked about. This is not because churches need more money to pay the bills, although that is certainly true, but because money is an issue in the lives of so many Christians. John Wesley famously said, the last part of a man to be converted is his wallet. He was dead on. If you want to know what is important to a person, look at how they spend their money. True disciples acknowledge Jesus as their Savior and Lord in all areas of life. It is not unusual to find people that are really excited about Jesus being their Savior that are much less enthusiastic about submitting to his Lordship when it comes to money. Jesus' Lordship over your money is not an optional part of following him. Money should matter to churches. It is a discipleship issue. James wrote what he did to the early Christians to warn them. Obsessing over money is a sin. It is a sin for individuals. It is a sin for churches. The opposite of obsessing over money is not avoiding talking about it at all. Instead, we should acknowledge our sinful desires and when it happens, our actual sins. Awareness and repentance are necessary for us to grow as disciples. Churches that focus on money in a natural way, that look to it as the source of life and success are dying churches. Sometimes this is obvious. They can't even afford to keep the lights on. Other times it's less obvious. Everything seems to be going great. In either case, a natural focus on money and spiritual deadness go hand in hand. Churches that focus on money spiritually, those that recognize it is an area where people struggle and seek to address that struggle will be churches that are moving in the right direction in this significant area of discipleship. My prayer is that Byfield would be 
in the latter category. Let us be known for discipling Christians in all areas. We should have a reputation for fulfilling God's royal law by loving our neighbors as ourselves. The ambition that drives us above all else should be our desire to make disciples. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all the ways you have richly provided for us, Lord. You have provided your grace and mercy, which is a gift of, of unimaginable cost, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the ways that you have provided for us financially, both as individuals and as a church. I pray that our focus would be on making disciples, on becoming more like you ourselves, and using the influence you have given us to lead others to be more like you. I pray that this would be our desire as a church and that you would bless this desire, Lord. That you would continue to provide for us the resources we need, the time and the energy, Lord, to make an impact in this area, Lord. I specifically pray for the North Shore. I pray for the opportunities that we have here. I pray that you would bless those opportunities and that you would help us to know and to see what it means to be faithful. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.